What do I define about growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, you know, respond. Are you kidding me? Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for um everybody black. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry for the realness. Hey everybody, it's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com and NetworkAndSpill.com. And on today's episode, we're doing a phenomenal part of Network and Spill. The Spill is one of the most, I think, one of the most important pieces of the show when you're coming to the podcast and you're coming to wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., to learn something, to get poured into, to get fed, something that you can sort of take and chew on and marinate in and take with you wherever you're at in your life, in your career. And this particular episode is going to be really fun because this episode, I've got someone who's got quite a bit of experience being this amazing sort of businesswoman in multiple aspects. So we're not just talking about entrepreneurship. We're not just talking about corporate. We're talking about this like smash bang fusion of someone who's showing up doing her thing and managing lots of different pieces of her life, of her business, of her career, of her personal life, et cetera. So I wanted to bring on this guest who I'll introduce to you in just a second. But before I do, I want to just preface this by saying, if you are in the corporate space and you've ever had any questions or any feelings, feeling some type of way about how you're going to climb the corporate ladder, you felt stuck in jobs before, maybe you've wanted to change paths and do something different, but you were afraid, this is going to be one of those episodes where you can learn how to manage yourself better. You can learn how to climb the corporate ladder regardless of your industry and show up stronger, better prepared. I know right now there's a trending of women learning how to step up in corporate and how to really own these roles that are slowly but surely starting to open up to us. So if that's kind of where you're at, or if you know somebody who's in corporate and they're trying to get that seat at the table, they're trying to climb the corporate ladder, they're trying to do more in their field, definitely send this episode to them. I think this is going to have a ton of value. Obviously, make sure you're subscribed, you're, you're paying attention, you've got some notes, you want to take some notes. I feel like this may be one of those episodes where you want to write some stuff down. Without further ado, I want to introduce you to Mrs. Linda Talaferro. She's got her own company. She's a founder, CEO, and her company is called The T, which I love because The T is actually T-E-E and it spells out the extra effort. And so she's running her own career advisory firm. I believe she's local kind of to me. So she's on the East Coast, but we'll talk about that. And she's got two things going, right? Professionally, she's got her corporate gig, which by the way, she is a VP, VP, that's vice president of global quality, which I think is so cool. We'll talk about that. And she's got her own company, so she's out here doing these things. She's been doing these things for a while and she's got a lot of knowledge. Um, she's a mom, which I think is great. I've had a few moms on the show. Shout out to the moms. She's a dog mom. She's also a step-grandmother, which I think is kind of fun. And um, she's a wife and she's a business. She's doing all these things, all these things. She's a friend, she's an auntie, et cetera, et cetera. So without further ado, please welcome Miss Linda. Hello. Hey, Whitney. How are you doing? That was a fun intro. Thank got, you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You got such a great background. Truly blessed. Truly blessed for sure. It's been an exciting journey over these 30 plus odd years. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a blast. Truly blessed. 
Yeah. I want to talk a little bit just about the tea because I want, yes. I know people are, have got, they've got questions. So tell us about what the tea, the extra effort, where did that come from? That, that came from, um, I, I was highly, what, what do I want to say? How do I want to describe this? Motivated. That's probably the right word. I will say, let me back up for this, Whitney. I've always had a passion and truly have believed that to whom much is given, much is required. So I've had a passion over my nine to five career to help women in general, partial women, hey, hey, and African-American women to help them on their corporate ladder climb. So I've done a lot of mentoring in my 30 plus years. But back in 2017, late 2016, I was highly motivated, inspired by a mentee at the time who had left her corporate gig, but we were having dinner and she said, you know, you have really poured a lot into my life. I, you know, it would be a shame for you not to have, you know, that opportunity or if people have that opportunity globally or even just nationally if it doesn't reach globally, but I've been blessed to touch people around the world to have that experience, not just the people within the walls of the company that you're at. Because normally that's where mentorship happens. It happens within your um, company, uh, unless you are a go-getter and you get external mentors. And so she highly motivated me to start the tea, the extra effort. Uh, And I've always wanted to reach more groups of women and men, I do help both men and women. I'm not, um, I'm not prejudiced in either way, but I do tilt to women because we do have that challenge on this corporate climb. But that's where it came from. And the reason why the name, I came up with that name because it does take an extra effort. It takes work. The corporate ladder climb is not about how good you are at doing. That's just price of entry. But where the work comes in is it takes the being. How are you showing up? So that's why I named it the T, the extra effort. And it's been pretty quick, pretty catchy. People have resonated with it, connected with it, get it. Uh, but that's where the name came from. And that's what spurred me to start it in 2017. So I've been in, I've had this business on the side for two years now and, uh, and have had, as I mentioned, the opportunity to not touch people just nationally, but women globally. I've worked with women in other countries as well as in the U.S. And, and it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I like the name. I, I like catchy stuff. Obviously, the show Network and Spill kind of was a play on words. And I think it's important to have a name that that resonates with people and that makes, you know, a strong correlation to the work that you're doing. So right. now your full-time gig, or yes. you may be doing them both full-time, but you're a nine-to-fiver. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about how you were able to You told me a little bit about this, but Mm -hmm. explain to some of the people that may not know you or your background, what that looked like as you were kind of climbing from wherever you kind of came in, what your industry was then, and kind of how you've climbed to where you are now. I've actually stayed somewhat in the same industry. So I like to call it the transportation industry because I started in the what most people will call past car or the automotive industry. And now I'm in commercial vehicle and industrial. So those cranes, those over the road semis you see, and even buses that transport people uh, like your Greyhound buses or the city buses. So I've always been in the transportation industry and I fell into quality actually in the mid eighties when I graduated from Carnegie Mellon with a mechanical engineering degree. Back then, now you can major in, in the quality discipline. 
Back then, the field was fairly new in the U.S., especially in the automotive space, because some of you that might remember, if you're my age, that the Japanese were doing very well in the automotive space. We were not. So I fell into it and actually love it. I have this thing for problem solving. I love when I can see the result and satisfy customers, whether it be the next person in that process or the end user of the product. So I actually fell into the quality space. It's been perfect for me. I also had the opportunity to work in operational excellence, Lean Six Sigma program management, all areas that really correlate to each other because it has to do with providing the end product that meets a customer expectation or exceeds it and to do it on time. So I started that in the 80s. And I will tell you, early in my career, I had an aspiration to be CEO. And I really patterned my life after an uncle of mine who I unfortunately lost several years ago. But he was out of my, my mother's eight brothers and sisters. He was the only one to go to college. He got an engineering degree. I love math and science. I saw his life, went to his graduation at Rutgers. I said I wanted to be like him. And as I started on my journey, he would always tell me whenever I called him or whenever he visited, he would always say, Linda, you want a seat at the table, which is why I use that now. I mean, that has been my mantra is to have a seat at the table. So I've had, I had the aspiration to be CEO. That changed halfway through my career. Because I was like, I don't know that I want to get to that level because I frankly just loved what I did in the functional space, which was in quality. So I said, you know what, SVP, VP, EVP, that's where that's the path I'm going down. So that's what I sought after. But it took some extra work outside of just being good at problem solving. It took a whole lot of learning that we're going to probably talk about on this um, on this session today. It took a whole lot of learning for me to really know what it took to get to this seat that I have today. I thought I knew and I was doing it wrong because I didn't know. But once I learned and knew how it got that secret sauce, then that would, that's what, it, what enabled me to get this seat at the table today. So I started out in quality, Whitney, years ago, loved it, stuck with it, and then was just focused and diligent about getting that seat at the table. Wow. First of all, I want to say it's interesting how much people have in common with each other and they may not know. So when I went to college, I applied to a bunch of places and I, I, I set my heart on Howard. Mm. And I'm in the DC area. I get into Howard and my mom was like, because I love cars. I've always loved cars since I was a little kid. Wow. And yeah, super random. I talk about it every so often on the show, but it's, it's like my jam. And so she was like, well, you need to go to school and be a mechanical engineer because that's, you know, you could get close to cars. Like, it'll be great. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm not really into math, but sure. Um, I go in and I'm doing my thing, taking calculus. I'm like flailing. It's horrible. So eventually I end up switching from mechanical engineering to design because I'm like, I'd rather, I don't want to put the car together. I want to make it look good and I want to be around it when it's done. Done. So (laughs) photography, editorial, like all of that. And so I switched and I was talking with my mom recently about, just how things have changed from a few years back, right? Before um, I was like when I was in college or when I was in high school, people who were entering the workforce, things were different and mm-hmm. they have shifted. And so yes. one of the things I've noticed, she told me, this was her opinion that, you know, 
they changed the rules with applying to positions and getting into corporate in the first place by upping the ante and saying, you had to have a degree. You have to have this four-year degree. You have to have a degree in something. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, okay, fine. And because she was like, well, in her day, they didn't do it that way. It was more so, you know, if you had a go-getter attitude and, you know, you were willing to work or you had connections, et cetera, you could get a job, get into a company and thrive and do well. Whereas now, you know, they're wanting you to have four years. And then that, she said, shifted. And so then it was less about having a bachelor's and more about having a master's and extra qualifications, extra certifications and, and whatnot. So I'm curious, as you've been climbing this corporate ladder, what changes have you seen that we today can sort of take on and say, okay, that may have been how it was, but now this is actually a benefit to me going into the workforce or climbing the corporate ladder. Absolutely, Whitney. You know, your mom was spot on because, you know, if I look back in my career, I graduated in 84 and, you know, getting an engineering degree, that was the time when that was the thing to do to open the door to a good job. Prior to that, she's absolutely right. You didn't need that. You just had to be a hard worker, go-getter. And it was who you knew, you know, you could get in um, and get a job, but that shifted. What I have, and then during my career, as I got into the nineties and the early two thousands, what made the difference was getting my MBA, which is why I did it in 2006. So it was, it was what was going to separate me from the rest of the pack when those higher level opportunities came about. So if I was going to really get into a manager role or an executive role, become a director or above, that bachelor's degree, although I went to one of the top engineering schools, was not going to be enough. I had to get an MBA. And today, frankly, my daughter, since you say Howard, my daughter's at graduated undergrad, Howard, decided to go back to Howard Law School. She got accepted at Northwestern, chose to go to Howard. Today, that is what's separating people, that second level degree. Do you have a master's or above? So your mom is so on point. But what I'm also noticing is there's yet going to be another shift. And that another shift might start to become more prevalent in the next five years or so. But I know some of the younger people that are, are interns where I work today, or we have this executive leadership development program, ELDPs, we call them. They're usually first year out of school, second, maybe two years out of school. They're starting to see yet another shift where having that degree and maybe even going for your master's is the price of entry. What happens once you are in the door? How do you perform? How do you build relationships? How do you go above and beyond what's already expected from you? Because you got the degree. We know you're going to hit the home runs. And that's literally what was told to me. When I became first a director years ago at another company, that's exactly what was told to me. We already know you're good at what you do. We already know that. Yeah, you got your MBA. That is excellent make sure they like you. So that's the shift that we're going to start to see in corporate America. You're reading some of it already. You're you're hearing probably in LinkedIn, seeing on post or hearing people talk about servanthood leadership, authentic leadership, leading with integrity, authenticity. That's the shift that's happening in corporate America going forward. The educational piece, definitely, I'm not going to discount that. That's important. I got a certification as a quality engineer. That definitely helped me. Some people get Six Sigma black belt certifications if they're in manufacturing or a tech or a STEM space. 
anything above and beyond that from an education perspective, yes, those will help, no doubt. But what will really set you apart is how you can drive teams, lead teams, motivate teams, work across, cross-functionally, work multiculturally, build relationships. That's what gets you into these leadership roles, or like I like to say, the seat at the table. So your mom was right. You know, things have shifted, but you're going to see yet another twist in the next five years or more. And I'm excited for that twist. I think for me, that twist is way... (laughs) It's a little more economical because yes. you know school is extremely expensive, and I think for a lot of industries it really does help to have it. I did luck out a little bit. I'm in tech, and I think when you're in uh-huh. tech, yes. masters they don't mean as much as right. a certification will. Right. right, they want you to have you know tons of experience on client sites or you know picking a specific niche almost within exactly. IT. So exactly. whether you're going to be the systems admin or an engineer or a tester or whatever, you can really silo yourself and mm-hmm. figure out, okay, this is the lane I'm going to be in and I'm going to rock this lane. And what's interesting about technology is it's kind of always shifting, but there's still some places, a lot of big areas that are always kind of going to be there, right? We still need developers. We still need creators. We still need people to fix things when they break there's a lot of things that are going to be consistent and it's about putting your money and your mouth towards really moving towards getting more certifications if you can. Yes. And, but again, that's like you said, investing, doing the extra effort. So it's almost like you have to put in that extra effort before you even walk into corporate. Yeah, um, you do. Yeah, you do. I, I totally agree with that. And the key is to know which lane to go in and what's required, right? So to your point in the tech field, if you're in tech, understanding what those certifications are, understanding how to set yourself apart uh, in whatever field, not just tech, STEM in my world or anywhere else. It's knowing how to set yourself apart and what those additional certifications or trainings that are necessary. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Knowing, knowing what's going on, knowing how to be competitive yes. is, is a big piece. So if you're, you know, if anybody listening is wondering how they can climb that corporate ladder, maybe a little bit better or easier. Yes. Cause I don't think when I say easier, I don't mean that it's easy to obtain some of these extra efforts, right? Education wise, but it's something that you can do yourself. Um, sometimes you may not be able to pay for them, but a lot of these certifications, if you're in IT or depending on what your industry is, a lot of these companies will help you pay oh, they or will. they'll pay yeah. you back if you pass. Yep. Reimburse. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there are ways to invest in yourself and go that extra effort and exactly. take that extra lap to sort of push yourself up. So, okay. So you got your degrees, you've mm-hmm. taken some certs, you've done some, some legwork there. Yes. Uh, when it comes to your actual career and sort of figuring out, you, you've decided you were in your lane. What yeah. do you say to people who are struggling with their lane? Maybe they can't see super far ahead. And so they're wondering if this is a good time to merge or go somewhere else or just stop completely and turn around. Like, how do you, where do you suggest that they go first? Yeah. You know, if they're trying, if they're trying to figure out what their lane is um, or maybe even need to pivot because they're not sure. Uh, I, my suggestion is I, I tell people this all the time. I talk to the ELDPs I just mentioned, or the interns, I'd start with what is your passion? What motivates, drives you? I mean, like I said, I really loved problem solving. Now, did I understand it was going to be within the quality space? No, it just happened to be that I was in quality when it happened, but I knew that was my love. So then I did some more research. I even put myself out there for special assignments, got on some of the special initiatives, projects to understand 
what motivates me, what doesn't, what turns me off, what excites me, what makes I, I excited to get up the next morning because I'm going in and I'm going to be doing X, Y, Z. So I would say start there. If you're, if you're totally unsure, reflect on who you are and what drives you. I mean, that's even part of establishing who are, what our personas are, our unique personas, our brands, right? I mean, what do we want to be known to known for? What do we want to be good? What are we good at? What totally turns us off? So I'd start there. Then if that is one, that's one step. And then I would say also try a couple of different things. And you can do those without totally being uh, concerned about damaging your career. Like I just said, if, the, if you see a project, a pain, let's say you're in a company and there's a pain point and that pain point, you know, is a, a major deal for your company or your farm. And you may not even be directly associated, whatever that pain point is, but you're aware of it. Talk to your boss and say, Hey, I'd like to be on, I understand there's a team being put together to work on XYZ issue. I'd like to be on that team. Here's the reasons why. One, it's going to stretch me. It's going to give me a new skill set. I'm going to learn more. I'm, it, all these various things that will be positive for you. And also, whatever your unique talents are, maybe you are good at uh, problem solving like I shared. Maybe you are good at driving people to a singular point because you know you have excellent time management. You can corral people. You can get people motivated and focused. Whatever your skill set is, that's the benefit you bring to the project, and you can share with your manager what you're going to get out of it. That's another way to find out which direction you want to go, is to stretch yourself and try something new. Be a team member or be a team leader and get that experience. If you're in an industry or you're at a company and you've been spinning your wheels, and you know, I often tell people there may be times when you have to decide to pivot that you've, you've looked and there's really no opportunity for growth. The company's pretty stagnant. Uh, there's no, they don't even have a, a three to five or 10-year vision of any type of growth via organic or through acquisition. And you've been in this spiral for five years or more. It may be time for you to look to another company or another industry because opportunity for growth is huge in a corporate ladder climb. You cannot stay stagnant. And if a company's not providing for you with that growth, that's probably not the place for you to be. I've changed companies for that reason because I did not see, as, as I looked down the horizon, I didn't see the company moving definitely then meant I wasn't going to be moving. So those are the, the various areas I would recommend, Wendy, Whitney, excuse me, when people are trying to decide what, one, what path do I go in? What's my focus? Two, am I sure I'm going to like it and enjoy it? Drives me, it's passionate. And three, is there even the opportunity for this corporate ladder climb to take place? Because you want to make sure, I mean, some of you may have seen this quote, you know, you, could be, you can get to the top of the ladder and realize your ladder's on the wrong wall. So you want to make sure that you are at the right place for that opportunity to grow. So those are the three things I'd, I'd recommend that people would consider if they're in a spot of not being sure or they're in a, in a spiral that's not getting them anywhere. Well, I think it's important, but a lot of times we don't talk about the frustration, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the isolation sometimes that we feel, and just like some of that negativity where we know we're meant for more, especially when we've put in yes. years of yes. educating ourselves and 
being a, a good person and showing up, you know, maybe you're going to church, maybe you're meditating and you're praying and you're really doing what you feel like you should be doing, but your job just isn't, it's just not showcasing what you feel like you're worth. I think a lot of people, I think almost probably everybody at some point does some job that isn't, isn't where they want to be or isn't where they feel like they, they could be or should be in that moment. So how do you find the energy to put that extra effort in? Because I feel like sometimes we just don't have it. It's, it's sometimes we're commuting and we're, we're spending a lot of time getting there and it's so draining, you know, just like when you're in a toxic relationship or you're in a relationship that you probably shouldn't be in, but you're in it because you're like, well, then I have to find someone else. I I relate that a lot to jobs because a lot of us are in jobs where we're like, well, but it's so much work to find a new one. And then I got to put myself out there. I got to interview basically going on dates. I've got to, you know, go through the whole process of courting and negotiating and mm-hmm. figuring out what it is I want. And mm-hmm. all of that is sometimes so much and it's so overwhelming that we're just like, we'll just stay. So what, what's going to help, what can we do to motivate and encourage ourselves and those around us who don't feel like they're in the right place to do better? Yeah, man, this is an awesome, good question, Whitney, because I, several years ago, was in that spot. I was in a job. It was a toxic environment. I had probably, I've had only two worst bosses in my career, and that was during that time. And then I also had some very negative things happening personally. I was going through a divorce. And I mean, it was just at the point in my life when I thought, could things get any more difficult? And, and is this corporate ladder climb worth it? But, you know, I, what I ended up doing, and I would say this to anyone, is, you know, I, I had to really dig deep and look myself in the mirror and decide that I was worth it. I had to find that inner, now it took some work. This is not easy. I mean, I had to peel back some layers to really figure out how did I allow, because I sat in that, I sat in that stuff, Whitney, for a good five years or more. I sat in that. You know, why did I sit in that? You know, what is it about me that allowed me, allowed myself to say it was okay to go into this toxic environment every day, to not be treated fairly, to be, in some cases, disrespected? You know, what allowed me to do that? And it was just some, it was low self-esteem and low self-confidence. I had to dig into some early childhood stuff. And I had to get to the point where I began to really like me, love me, believe I was worth it. I'm worth the work. I'm worth the extra effort. Yeah. Is it going to take time? Do I have to go do my resume? Do I? Yeah. I'm, I, I, yes, I do. But am I worth that? Am I worth, be- do I deserve better? One, yes, I do because I'm good at what I do. I'm very good at what I do. Two, I'm, to your point, I'm a good human being. Would, and I'm a spiritual person. Is this what is intended for me? Am I supposed to be miserable? No. Then why am I allowing this cycle to repeat itself year one, year two, year three, year four, all the way to year five? Okay, now it's time to stop. And at the time, for me personally, my daughter was young. She was two. Three. Is this an example that I want for that young black woman who will become an adult one day? Is that what I want to leave for her? Want her to see? Absolutely not. Was I shown anything different previously in my growth? Not so much. 
My parents worked in the factory. They got divorced early. It was a very challenging situation. So the one example I did have was the uncle that I mentioned. One example I did have was the uncle that I mentioned. So for me, that's what I would implore upon anyone that is listening to this, because this, this whole corporate ladder climb is not an easy thing. And I tell people, my clients today that I have at the T, who you are personally is who you are professionally. You cannot separate the two. So when I was going through that divorce and I was working at that company and it was a toxic environment, I thought I was leaving at the door when I walked in, but I was not. I was not fully showing up. Had I been, had I been totally taking care of myself, I wouldn't have stayed in that for five years. So you have to find what is the root of holding you in that cycle of self-abuse and allowing the corporate corporation to abuse you. Why is that? Address those things. Find yourself worth your self-value. Know that you deserve more and then go after what you deserve. Go after what you deserve. It took me a minute to get that resume together. It took me a minute to find that next opportunity, which was a better opportunity. And when I resigned from that company, I actually had two bosses. One was decent. The other one was far from it. I resigned to the, with the decent boss when I was in a training class. And he told me then, had you walked on water, it wouldn't have made a difference. Mm. That was validation for, okay, I had done the work and I knew I deserved more. But when he said that, that was validation. Yep. Boom. I'm out of here. I mean, that I'll never forget. His name was Ed Kozak. I will never forget it. He looked at me and said, Linda, had you walked on water, it would not made a difference. And then he said, and we happened to be on the other side of the building and training. He said, I'm sure you're not going back to the other side. Are you coming in tomorrow? I was like, nope, <laughs> dude, I'm out. And I started my new job in a couple of weeks and it took work. It was not easy. And I had a two-year-old at home and I had to figure out what I was going to do next because like I said, I was going through a divorce. So it was the worst time to have to try to find another job, try to find a better, am I going to have to, because daycare was there at, at where I worked at as well. I had to find new take. I mean, I had all this stuff that some of our, some of your listeners are probably going through now. If not, maybe not as much, but it feels like it to them. I want to say to them, look, find that inner reason why, who you are, your value, because you're worth the effort that it takes to flip the switch, and to get back on a healthy track. You do not have to be in a dead-end position that you either don't enjoy, don't love, or you're being disrespected. It's toxic. Whatever the situation is, just like a bad date, just like in my case of you know, the wrong marriage, the wrong husband, it, it, you, it, you do not have to be in that situation. It does not have to be permanent, but it will take you to straighten up Put your head up, put your back straight. And even at times, I'm telling you, I walked in there, Whitney. There were times when I was dying inside, but I decided, hey, you guys, are, you are not winning. I started walking in there with my head up straight, smiling, dealing with what I had to deal with, having, taking walks, doing those positive talks to myself until I walked out that door because I realized where my value was. So that's what I would tell people. I know it's not easy but it's definitely worth it. Had I not made that move then, I wouldn't be in the seat that I'm at now. And I wouldn't be the person that I am today 
in the seat that I'm in now. Wow. Yeah, it is def- definitely difficult. I can attest to that. Um, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, when you're not, when you're not happy, you, in any respect, right, in any relationship, in any situation in your life, when you're not happy, it has a tendency to bleed into other areas of your life. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, they say how you do one thing is how you do everything. And yes. I thought that was kind of a crock at first. And then I started to think about it and I'm like, you know what? It all integrates regardless of whether it really bleeds in and it, it like touches every single thing, but it, it definitely affects it. it so does. you it have does. to be mindful with the way in which you behave. I've had to learn this. I've had to check myself. My mom has checked me and it's, it's, it's difficult. And the other thing I wanted to add to what you said is you don't have to do it by yourself. Yes. I was just going to mention that, Whitney. You do not. No man's an island. You do not have to. And I'm going to tell you what benefited me in my search. I'm glad you mentioned this. I don't mean to interrupt you, but my network stepped up. So I had, I have a heck of a network today because I learned the value of having it back then. So I was able to make a few phone calls that helped in that job search too. So if you do, oh my gosh, if you do nothing else, when you go to events, pass those business cards out, make relationships, establish a network because you never know when you're going to need someone. And then I also had, you know, personal people close to me that I could pick up the phone, talk to, bounce things off of that I trusted, you know, that, that would not use it against me, throw it in my face. It takes a village. I mean, we, we, we don't, you know, we don't go through this life. Uh, at least you shouldn't go through this life alone, you know, without any kind of network support system. So Whitney, yes, you cannot do it alone. Absolutely right. Yeah. And having that network, I think is always important. It's just like with your personal relationships, when you decide to get married or if you happen to get sick, you want to have friends around. You want to have people mm-hmm. around that care about you mm-hmm. and not just when something bad happens or when right. you need help. It's always good to be nurturing that environment. And that's why LinkedIn has been such a blessing to so many people because with LinkedIn, you have access to tons of people in your network, in your friends' networks, in your coworkers' networks, and you can connect and you can see yes. what's out there. You can do your research. You can um, now with the feed, right? You can see because the feed didn't exist before. It used to just be, you know, who right. you're following. Now we've got right. this like Facebook feed of information. And it's really interesting because you can subscribe to industry related topics and keep yourself easily in the know with what's trending, what's going on, what's happening. But I I wanted to bring up that part about not doing it alone because sometimes it can feel like you are on an island and it can feel like you're just floating out there and, or you're on an island with a bunch of really crappy people (laughs) and you hate everyone on the island. You're like the only person, you know, you're like, why am I the only person with any sense here? And that's, how it feels, but you can make that phone call. You can put that post on LinkedIn or you can reach out to some people. Just taking these little steps to change your situation. It's almost like when you start making these little steps, it starts to avalanche. And then all of a sudden, like they say, when the student is ready, the teacher, I feel like when the person is ready and the the mentee is ready or the opportunity for that person is ready, or when they're ready for that, the opportunities come. Like people start to show up. You'll meet someone at Starbucks or, yes. you know, somewhere random. Somebody will PM you on LinkedIn and you're like, who is this stranger? <laughs> and then you click on it and it's somebody with a fantastic opportunity. So That's making exactly sure right. that you're always nurturing your network and can be in communication with folks who can potentially help you. Absolutely. I also think, and I'm not trying to like pitch what you're doing, but 
having somebody like yourself, whose whole mission is to help people as they are climbing this corporate ladder, you can find someone that's a professional. Now, you may still need to talk to a therapist or a coach, a success coach or something about your confidence issues or your interpersonal skills and stuff like that. But you can hire someone, you can find someone to help you climb and navigate. You don't have to do the navigating alone. And I've I've read a lot of the books. We talked a little bit about Minda Hart's book, Mm -hmm. um, The Memo, which I think is a great read. I will link that in the show notes. And there's another book called um, The Little Black Book of Success. And, you know, these are books that talk a lot about mentorship and finding people that you can connect with. And For me personally, because it's such a, for me, IT is such a male dominated industry (laughs) by like a landslide. I know automotive industry probably is too in different areas, but how do you recommend we, you know, maybe we hire someone as a career coach, et cetera, but for mentorship, for support when we're in that role and we're just trying to gain more, we're trying to sponge it up and get as much, you know, experience, information, stories, and just data, right? How do you recommend navigating the mentorship? Because I don't know how easy that really is, even though I've been reading about it. I'm going to tell you, mentorship is a lot easier than people think it is. Uh, and, and, I, and I know the hesitation that people have is how do I just randomly schedule a meeting with someone that doesn't know me in order to get to know them? But I'm going to tell you, that's what people do with me. And that's how I got my mentors. It is it's a lot easier it does take a little bit of, you know, moxie. I mean, you've got to, that's, that's where the self-confidence comes in, at least a little bit of knowing that you're worth someone's time. But here's the thing. It's not so hard to find someone to be potentially a mentor. The key is making sure that they are mentor quality, that they're going to be a mentor. Because to your point, Whitney, Mentors and coaches are two different things. So you want to make sure that when you seek out, so I can tell you how it's done in Meritor, where I work at uh, today, because I'm a mentor of several people, and how they did it was, you know, according to the way they've explained it, which is usually how I did it as well in my past, is I watched individuals. You know, I either was in a room when they were in a room and presenting. I've watched how people react to them. I see the successes that they have within the company, right? And then I also notice, are they genuinely open? So when I walk by them, do they speak? Do they smile? Are they, you know, interpersonal type of people that are easy, somewhat easy to connect? Those are the individuals that I then schedule a one-on-one with to see if we can click, if there's a connection in our personalities and how we talk and how, how they show up, how I show up. That's how my mentees connected with me. And that's how I've connected with my mentors in the past. And I have mentors today. I mean, so some people might think, oh, she's the vice president of global quality that I, I have not arrived. I don't believe any of us should fool fool ourselves to believe we have rights. So I have mentors today, and that's how I've chosen them. But here's the key. A good mentor, somebody that is really going to be a truly good mentor is someone who will have a vested interest in your overall career success, which includes you as a person being happy and content. 
So it's not just conversations about how you can get a task completed on time or how you can hit this home run in this particular assignment or how it's, yeah, you might bounce those I, those things off your mentor, but we're really talking about those interpersonal skills. We're really talking, it could even be, it should even be so when you're having a bad day and you need to bounce off in a safe environment, what that bad day is feeling like for you and how can you get over the hump? That's a good mentor. I've had people in my office that have cried uncontrollably. I've closed the blinds. It's been a safe environment for them. I've had men on the phone that have from other parts of the world that have shared things with me from a family perspective or a culture perspective that's, you know, impeding or potentially causing them challenges. How can they get on the other side of it? A good mentor, like I said, has a vested interest in who you are as a person. And they want you to be successful in every aspect of your life. And they, and they are willing to share those areas of themselves and their experiences that can help you as well. So, you know, it's extremely important. Yeah. Can you hire someone like myself? You know, I, as I tell people, I don't do the resume thing or stuff like that, but I help guide careers, interpersonal skills, stuff like that. But it is most important for you to have a mentor. And, and, and let me say this, the mentor does not have to be, it would be great, and, and, there's, and there's definite benefits to, to this, having a mentor that's in the company you're in right now, but you can also have a mentor external to your company. As I mentioned earlier, the young lady that motivated me to start my business, I was her mentor. She sought me out at a Women of Color conference. She worked in one totally different industry, different company than I did. She was intentional about her career. She has scheduled the regular meetings. We met whether it was coffee, lunch, or dinner, or whatever it was, and we had those sessions. So it does not have to be internal. It can be external as well, but mentorship is huge. Coach is one thing. Mentor is another. Sponsorships is something else too. So there's three different categories of which I think your listeners, if it's not in this, in this session we're having today, Whitney, it needs to be maybe in the future one where people understand the difference between the three. Yeah, it's, it's important. And I'll be honest, I didn't know really the value of all of them until much, I guess, later in my career, right? I've been mm. working for, I don't know, maybe 10 years. And yeah. I did not know that mentorship was something that I needed to yeah. really investigate. And when I worked for Deloitte, I was given a, like a counselor. You get a counselor and you mm. get um, a, a resource manager. And the resource manager kind of makes sure that you're staffed appropriately, kind of. And then you've got a counselor who you can go to for support, who can help okay. guide you as you climb the ranks there. Because I went in as a senior consultant and experienced hire, but there are some people who come to the firm or to different firms, different consulting companies straight out the, you know, right. at the jump. They graduate and then they're recruited in. And they climb the corporate ladder a little bit differently, but right. you are paired with someone uh, that's going to help you, that can help you navigate how you're going to get to the next level or really where you want to go in general. Because there are some different tracks, right? You mm-hmm. could do commercial, mm-hmm. you could do government, you could switch, um, you could do a more technical approach versus doing the traditional partner track. So there's a couple different things that you can do, but right. having somebody who can support you is really, really helpful because they're going to give you something 
that somebody maybe outside of your company or outside of your industry would be able to provide. And, you know, definitely not something that a coach or a therapist would be able to help you with because they're not maybe actual internal employees who know the ropes. So it it just gives you a different perspective. So it does. I think people listening know what a coach provides and knows really that coaches can specify exactly what they want to work on, et cetera. And that, you know, getting professional uh, licensed to maybe help from a therapist or a psychotherapist, whatever, right. um, is different. And then having a mentor is there. We've, I think you explained that wonderfully, but can you just briefly touch on sponsorships and how yes. that kind of fits into this whole puzzle? Yes. So sponsors are those people usually that, ha- that are key stakeholders in the organization, or I like to call them ballers. They're at a certain level and they know what ropes to pull, can pull them, and we'll pull them for you. So, you know, that's all, that's a different category than your mentor. When you have an eye on an opportunity. Um, so for instance, I'll give you a perfect example in my career. Um, I was at a company, it's been sold, it no longer exists now. And I was a, was a manager role. There was a director opening. I was not aware of it, but there was a sponsor. There was somebody in the organization that knew about me, knew the value I had brought to the organization, the wins I'd already had, and the potential. He was the one that contacted the hiring manager that said, before you fill that position, make sure you interview Linda. Sponsor. He knew about the opportunity, could make it happen for me, or he knew how to make it happen for me, and he opened the door. That's what a sponsor is. And so I always tell people when you're Building your workplace network, which is so important. You have to have a workplace network. You fill them with people who are your supporters and advocators. So people that will speak on your behalf when you're not in the room. You obviously have mentors for sure. We just talked about that. And then you definitely want sponsors. And they, these people will show up as you have your one-on-ones. You have to, this is again, Back to the extra effort. You have to be intentional. This takes work. This takes um, understanding the corporate culture, how things get done. That's all corporate culture is. That's all workplace politics is, is how things get done. Although sometimes it can have a negative connotation, but bottom line is how things get done. Understanding the culture, how it gets done, who is who, and it's not necessarily just on your org chart or by title but who is who, establishing those relationships with those various who's are who, and then they, and they will rise to the occasion in their particular place on your bus of your, of your workplace network. The seats on your bus of your network, these people will fill. I entered a role, uh, and I'm not going to mention which one it was, but I entered a role, and I will tell you, Whitney, uh, and I knew what I needed to do coming into the role. I mean, I could see the opportunity within the company. I knew what needed to be done. But I intentionally spent eight months building relationships, understanding corporate culture, understanding who was who, establishing who was going to be my advocators and supporters, who were going to be sponsors, which I didn't have many. I just had a couple of key ones. And then I had a mentor and the mentor actually was a peer, but the peer happened to have double digit years at the company 
and I was just coming in the door. So I knew that that person knew how things got done. So, and could help me along the way. We had established a great relationship. We got to know each other, talked about family, kids. I could tell I could trust him because there was a few things I told him, never got to say. He told, he even bounced things off of me. But I will tell you, it's extremely, extremely critical, one, to know the difference between a mentor sponsor and an advocator, and to make sure that those all exist in your workplace network. Extremely important. You're not, I mean, there's not a company that I know of that you can really get up this corporate ladder without relationships. And I know people will say, just like I said, coming into corporate America, I don't come to work to be liked. I'm coming here to get a job done. I'm keep my head down. You know, I'm a black woman, you know, so obviously there's already going to be issues because I'm black and, you know, they're going to hold me back and all that stuff that we tend to carry as people, some of it very real, some of it we create on our own and we're in our own way. But it wasn't until I got out of my own way, quit putting my head down and working hard and understood what the secret sauce was, which was, yeah, people do have to like you, Linda. And like just translates to trust. That's all it is. It's not sharing your deepest, darkest secrets, but it translates to trust. People trust you, then they're willing to give you assignments. They're willing to open doors for you. They're willing to tell you things that you wouldn't just normally hear or know. Whisper in your ear, sir. I've had people walk past me in the cafeteria, whisper stuff in my ear that they know I needed to know. And then as they're walking away, they turn around, look at me, and I get it. I'm serious. I've had that happen. But that was only because I took the time to build the relationships. And when that, when I had that epiphany, Whitney, that's when my career shifted. That's when my corporate ladder climbed. I, I say this all the time. I could have gotten to the seat that I'm in today a lot faster. I'm 57. I mean, I've been in it now for almost, I've been in it now for five years, but I could have gotten here faster had I not been so hard-headed and I'd learned the lesson earlier. That's the, one of the biggest takeaways I, I see from my surroundings, right? We read the book so I've been the community manager over at The Well for, I don't know, four, four months or so now. And I think this is my fifth month, but I, we read the book together. We had Minda Hearts come on and we did a Q&A with her. And she has a whole section of the book that talks about, you know, thinking that you're, you're going to show up, do the job and roll out that you're not going to go to happy hours, that you're not going to mm. you know, smooth a little bit mm. and show up to the company mm. events and you're, you're going to opt out. And I understand, she talks about this. I understand, I think a lot of us understand why we may not want to go to some of these events when we oh, may not want to attend. It's right. annoying a lot of the time, especially as a woman, just you know, regardless of your color, being a woman, especially in male-dominated spaces, will make you want to gouge your eyes out in the bathroom almost every single time because people are so dense and, and the conversation it's inappropriate there's just a million things it's I'd rather do, right absolutely to include folding socks in my bathroom cleaning it like there's so many things I'd rather be doing than <laughs> I think a lot of us would rather be doing than a lot of these inter um work events right these yeah, inter yeah. on-site events etc and you know you have to spend money you got to show up you got to make the time instead of watching Netflix now you got to go out it's cold out now and so there's so many reasons not to but I think there are so many reasons to do it. And we have yes. to learn how to get out of that and, and take yes. a step back and say, okay, yeah, I don't want to go. Yeah, Bill's probably going to be there. And guess what? 
can't stand Bill, but we have to make the time because it's not about Bill. It's not about how annoying right. Bill is or our team or right. the situation. And, and it may not be the job that you want, but it's still important to show up because somebody yes. is watching. And even though as Black women and as women, we feel invisible a lot of the times, you'd be surprised oh. how many people are watching. <laughs> it has nothing to do with your makeup or anything and like that. Nothing people to do with it are watching and they're watching yes. it's important to show up because like you said earlier which i'm so glad that you brought up is having that self-worth and having that knowing that you're worth the extra effort you're worth the inconvenient moments you're yes. worth the hiccups and the you know sometimes things don't go the way that you want little snafus here and there but you're worth the effort and the time to yes. show up for yourself so that you can make some moves here you know, shortly or in the future or down the line. This, this, all of it matters. It so it all matters, Whitney. And you want to be in control of your narrative. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tell people. Yeah. Is it inconvenient? There's a lot of times when I did not want to pop by whatever bar or restaurant it was because I either had one, I was a single mom for a period of time. I had somebody at home. I need to go pick up from the, there's, I mean, life, right? I had other things I wanted to do, needed to do, but that third, and you don't have to be there all night, but that 30 minutes and people do watch. Yeah. I'm a black woman. Clearly I stand out when I'm not around. People notice when I am around, right? So when I show up, for 30 minutes and I hit three or four or five people and I'm having conversation and okay, I, if I have a glass of wine, maybe. If I don't, I know how to walk around with water and lemon, whatever it is that makes you comfortable. But I hit four or five people, have some chit chat and I'm out the door. And most of the time what happens, what I have experienced is that people will say, hey, Linda was here. Yeah, I saw her. Oh, I didn't. I wish I could have talked to her. Next, and that sh and it shows up the next day. Hey, it was so good that you came by. What it, what does that mean? I'm approachable. I'm open. I can engage. I can be a team player. That's what that says. And you don't, I mean, I have look, I started this, I started this gig in the 80s, right? So I will tell you, I've experienced sexual harassment. I I've worked at manufacturing sites. I know the deal. And I have been in environments where I either didn't like the people or had bosses I didn't like. But to your point, Whitney, it wasn't about them. It was about me. How do I control my narrative? How do I create the person, Linda, who I want them to know? I control that. And how do I control that? By how I show up. And the fact that I do show up and the fact that I don't feel like, I, I know I don't have to be excluded. We tend to exclude ourselves. You know, there's a lot of times when we make the choice to exclude ourselves. They're not necessarily excluding us. We choose to exclude. So it's up to us to get the chip off our shoulder, to stand up, get out of our own way and play the game. Because that's really what it comes down to, is, is understanding how to handle yourself in the environment. And, you don't, and, and I say this too, Whitney, you don't have to compromise who you are. I've never changed who I am. And if anybody were to see me, I am a dark-skinned sister. I wear natural hair. I interviewed for the role I have today in my natural hair. I didn't have to change who I, I am. There's not an experience that I've had in this years of sitting in this VPC that I had to be other, someone else other than who I am. It's, it is, has not required it. It's not required it. 
So, you know, I, I say that to say, if you're climbing this ladder and you have your sights set on a certain seat, it's attainable, but you have to be open to doing the work. You have to be open to Minda's so right. Yeah, it, do you every now and then go out and have a glass of wine? Or, yes, you do. Because as you said so very well, Whitney, people do watch. People do know. People know, everybody knows me at my at Meritor. Everybody. And that is a good thing. There's not a single person, no matter what role they have, even the security guard, they all know me. Watch the door. I walk by and speak, to, have conversations, show, hey, how was your weekend? People know me. It makes a difference. It really so, does. Yeah. It doesn't take much, I mean, to oh. say hello. I, <laughs> I oh talk gosh. about this regularly, but, you know, taking that couple of seconds to say something, it's crazy because we think that it's so common, the people who do it, but it's actually really rare. It's that rare. People speak to each other and yes. it drives me crazy because I find people interesting. I think, you know, hearing what people are up to, what they're into, like, I, I'm super, I'm just one of those people. I always have been, that's not going to go away, but there's so much to learn and there's so much to gain. So for me, you know, it's the closed mouths don't get fed. If you're mm, not talking, wow, then yes. you can't do yes. a lot of the stuff that you're trying. You can't close mouths. You're not going to get very far with your arms crossed in the corner at home by yourself mm -hmm. with your mouth closed and your phone oh. off and your LinkedIn signed out. You're not going to get anywhere with that. So I think it's really important. Like you said, there's this whole thing of, I just go to work. I'm not looking for friends. I'm going to do me. Please leave me alone. And exactly. unfortunately, that's just not. And that's what's going to, well, and that's what's going to happen. People are going to leave you alone. Right. So just like you said, you, you know, at home with your phone, it's just like you being at work and you're sitting in the corner of a conference room and you don't speak to anybody mm. and you got your arms folded. And then when the meeting's over, you get up and walk out and you, I mean, so yeah. So when there's an opportunity for an assignment overseas or there's a new project that's being led, that's highly visible, nobody's coming to you. Nope. Nobody's coming to you. Or if they see you coming down the hall and you're like, oh, there she goes again. She got an attitude. I know she ain't going to speak. Let me go the other direction. They're not. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I, can't, I can't, I don't know how I could even say it anymore. Yes, you want to be left alone. You will be left alone. You will be, and you'll be right at that same spot that you're in. Yeah. You know, being, it's not even about making friends. It's about being approachable. We do nothing. I mean, this corporate game there's nothing about it that's individual. You work on teams. You have to interact with people. I mean, it's just, you know, and if people, if you can't barely speak to somebody at the water cooler, are you mm. walking in and it's not even a hello or are you leaving? Have a good day. You can't even do that. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's true. And it, it goes back to what I said earlier about the, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yes. If you're at home by yourself, you know, being antisocial, you're probably doing it at work or vice versa. Oh, ain't no, probably you are doing it. <laughs> yeah. Are. In in some way, shape or form. And that's why yes. I think yes. another point from one of the books too, is getting that feedback from your peers to see, wow. you know, where your blind spots are, where can yes. you improve? Maybe you can be, you know, friendly, but you don't, you don't show up or you don't engage or you're, you're not approachable. You're nice when somebody yes. gets you going, but you don't get people going. And it's, it's a very much a one-sided sort of a deal for the first couple minutes as you warm up. We mm -hmm. think these are just normal, you know, personality traits. This is just how I am. I'm a Sagittarius or whatever that means. And un unfortunately, if we're not aware of how we're being perceived by our peers and how the game is being played 
within that group, we're going to lose. So getting that feedback um, was something else I got from those books. So I really recommend you all checking these books out, getting the audio version or the Kindle or going and picking it up or getting it from the library. These are great books to keep in your arsenal. I think um, spending that time to engage and to learn more about yourself, all of this is interconnected. And it sucks that, you know, we as Black women have been continually given this horrible record you know, for just this, this, people look at us and think that we're going to be extra and loud and ghetto and unapproachable. And you know what I mean? All of these things were, they're like little roadblocks that we have to circumvent, but you can help change the stereotype and you can help change people's perception of black women by being yourself and showing up as authentically as you can and just doing you. Because I know everyone listening isn't, you know, loud, super get whatever. Right, whatever, yes. Even though it's totally fine to be any of those things, it's just in the workplace when you're trying to play the game and climb the ladder appropriately, you have to kind of dodge certain things. And, you know, code switching is a thing. I get it. Sometimes it sucks. Unfortunately, though, if your goal, like you said earlier, is to get to point A from point B or point from A to whatever, you're trying to get somewhere, you really do need to focus on that and figure you do. out what is it going to take. Absolutely. And Whitney, you, you can still express your thoughts, your opinions without using poor grammar or, you know, whatever, the body language, all the other stuff that's attributed to us as being ghetto or being angry or whatever, you can do all of that. You can still make your point very loudly, clearly heard without doing all of that. Like I said earlier, I, I, am, I, am, I am nowhere near any shade of being considered, is she really black? No, I am, I am very much so black. And I'm a very... It, you may have t- could tell in this in this conversation very passionate about this topic we've been talking about, as well as I'm passionate about certain things when I'm in the workplace. I am who I am, but I absolutely understand that the conversation I'm going to have with certain individuals in that environment is not going to be the same conversation I might have kicked back in my home with a bourbon. You know, I mean, it might be, well, it might be, I don't know. It depends on who I'm having the conversation with. Cause I've had, I've had scotch with the CEO before. I've had, you see what I'm saying? I can be authentically who I am and still hold this seat as a vice president and do it with integrity and look at myself in the mirror and be very comfortable at the fact that I did not have to forgo any parts of who I am. Now, to your point, if we got to strip it to a, to a bare ghetto, there's, it, there, I did a live on this not, not long ago. If you went to that point or that part of you, if that exists, people are not even going to hear what you have to say. They're so caught up in how you said it. So, you know, if you can get past whatever it is, like I've had people say, oh, I got to be me. I got to, you know, I just got to do me. Oh, Okay. Well, you can do that, but just understand there's nothing about what you're trying to get across is going to register to anyone because you're so, so set on being you, doing you and putting the man in this place or whatever the issue is. I've had numerous people say, to, say, say that to me. Oh, and you don't understand. You don't understand what it means to be black. I'm thinking, well, yeah, I do. I'm, I, I've been one for a very long time. 
And I'm telling you, the reason why your seat hasn't been attained is because you're in your own way. It's not necessary to go there. It's not necessary to your point, Whitney, whatever stereotypes that exist, we need to kill them because the majority, if not all of your listeners, I know the majority of the people that I engage with aren't those individuals and they still get the seat at the table and get the job done. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I, you know, they're telling me to not be me. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Not what I'm saying at all. Nope. There's a, you can be you and be very successful and climb the corporate ladder and do it as Whitney so well put appropriately. And that's not succumbing or changing or, or changing who you are succumbing to anything. It's not even about that. And, you know, and, and Whitney, it's just, you know, that's, and I know we're, we probably, we're going on and on here, but this is, for me, this is a topic that's so, so important because I work with a lot of black people, um, both as, as a mentor and in my business. And, and we end up, I actually have some calls coming up with some people this week. And when I look at the questionnaires that they fill out, that is, that's the root of what their challenges are, Whitney is that they, are, they will say, I'm a black person and I can't be me, or I'm a black woman and I, you know, I'm being held back because I can't be me. If I'm, I told somebody what they did wrong and I put them in their place and they said, I'm an angry black woman. Well, I'm thinking, you probably were. What do you mean you put somebody in their place? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking, I'm looking at these questionnaires like, okay, what was that about? You know, what is the root of that? It still is, an, it's, this, it's this underlying thing that still exists in this corporate ladder climb that I am so passionate about and focused on killing because there's got to be more people that look like me that sit in the seats like I sit in. And there are, it's getting better, but it can be exceptionally more, but we've got the work to do, to be frank with you. We've got the work to do. We do. We, we have a lot of work to do, and I think there's a lot of just social conditioning that needs to be changed, and the narratives need to change. And it's not even just we as Black women need to alter who we are. We have to make sure that we're being accepted regardless of how we're choosing to show up, whether we have natural hair, whether we have right. curvy hips, whether we dress right. a certain way. I think some of these notions are are just antiquated and they're annoying and they're, they're not current. They're not useful. They're not helpful really to anybody. We like set these standards for professionalism and we could have a whole episode that talks about professionalism and about code switching and about all of that. But I did want to say here that a lot of this, uh, uh, for me, one of the big umbrellas here is attitude and attitude can be, you know, it's a huge scale. We've got, you know, professionalism, how we show up, but also the attitude we have towards ourselves the attitudes we have towards our jobs and yes. our careers and our future and success and towards each other. Yes. The, our industries, um, the people that work in our industries, we have all of these attitudes and sort of perceptions and ideas. And it's important for us to manage those effectively because if we're not showing up as confidently, I, I do a lot of confidence work and success mindset work where we're literally trying to figure mm-hmm. out where we need you to be in order for you to show up 
as mm. the person that you want to show up as because we get stuck in weird places and we get hung up on crap that's not important. And how do we navigate? How do we cut that? How do we trim the fat and focus on really where we're trying to go? Again, we yes. get derailed. We get sidetracked. We're looking around. We're following the Kardashians over there. We're looking at our neighbor <laughs> over there. And there's so much pressure and everything's happening so fast. It's very difficult to keep your eye on the prize. But when it comes to showing up, professional and as approachable, we have to make sure we're controlling that and we're steering the wheel. And just like a lot of our ancestors and people in our family from decades and and generations ago had to do things that they didn't want to do in that moment in order to kind of conform to society and the way things are going, we are in the place now where we're right on the cusp of it being more open and being a little bit more free to be who you are and to express yourself right? Every month it's like Starbucks is letting their, you know, employees do something else, right? They can have tattoos and they can have certain piercings or they can have this and they can have purple hair and things are changing, but it's not there just yet. So in the meantime, we have to show up in a way that's going to help us succeed so that when our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren show up to that table, they can look around and be like, wow, this is pretty cool. It's cool. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Whitney. So very well put. And this is a golden opportunity for us to start flipping the script or actually script the flip. We need to be control in control of how this new narrative is written. It's a perfect opportunity, but we have to be ready for it. We, we truly have to be ready for that. And I, there is no reason why, like I said, it, there's no reason why, you know, we can't show up who we are authentically. Mm-hmm. I am... You know, I used to flat iron my hair. I've been natural for so long. I probably, if it sees any heat, it'll be, I mean, but that, that does not detract from the fact that my job every day in my nine to five is a vice president of global quality. I sit, I have site 40 sites around the world I'm responsible for. I go to customers around the world. So I'm in Europe. It's Sweden at Volvo and customers. I'm in India sitting at customers. There is not a concern at my company that I represent sitting at those customers. Why? Because my leadership ability, my ability to lead teams, drive initiatives, develop strategy, do all of these things, meet metrics, hit targets, has nothing to do with the fact that my hair is natural. There's nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. So they are, and I'm going to tell you, my company, just like many other companies, has been around for hundreds of years in the U.S. So they're even, people, this evolvement is, is happening. They are evolving. Things are happening. And they're recognizing the value that all different types of people bring to the table. And we're talking about African-Americans right now. They recognize the value of it. And proudly have me sitting in this seat proudly so so it's yes and I just need your listeners to know that and to hear that but to your point it took what our ancestors did it took me doing some things differently it took me showing up certain ways so it takes that work and that extra effort But the script is flipping. And I'm just so excited that you have a podcast like this that gives the opportunity for younger people, people mid-career, 
wherever they are in your career, to hear about the opportunity and how it's possible and plausible and what do we need to do to continue to drive this new narrative. So it's been, it's been, I can't tell you the honor, Whitney, it's been for me to have this conversation with you today because this is so, so, so important. So, I, you know, this has been awesome. Thank you. I'm so glad you were able to come on here. And it's just weird how we connect, I, you know, your background in automotive and mechanical engineering and all of this. It's so kismic. I, I think it's really, really cool that we connected the way that we did through a referral, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And the timing was right. And the conversation is loaded. I mean, we literally could go on. I could talk about this for another 45 minutes. Easy, <laughs> easy. And, you know, we may have to do a part two at some point and, and talk about something else. If anybody has any questions, I know there are some people who are going to feel some type of way about some of the stuff that we said. If you are that person, I welcome any comments, feedback, questions, experiences that you've had, please share them. You can go to networkandspill.com. You can comment. You can hit me up on Instagram, Whitney Danielle Coaching, or the Network and Spill page. Like, Reach out to us. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you're understanding what we mean because it can be taken the wrong way. And I, I want to make sure that we're clear because we're saying all of this from a point and a place of, of love, of understanding, yes. and yes. Of, of really this inner knowing that both together, we are still on, I believe, this is just me, I said we're, we're still cruising towards a really positive place. Oh, and absolutely. as long as we can use our, our each other and our stories and our personal experiences to help, that's why I wanted you on the show is because I know that your experience is so important and the stories that you have, I know you've got so much more and we didn't get into a couple other things and we'll, we'll maybe talk about it on an Instagram live. Um, cause those are always fun after conversations, yeah. but, yeah. um, you know, there's just so much that you can learn from people. And again, it goes back to what we talked about in the beginning about mentorship and having a network and nurturing it. So hopefully you all found this conversation enjoyable, interesting, informative, et cetera. Please feel free to share this with any of your friends, your women of color friends in corporate and business, et cetera. I think a lot of these things would help anybody regardless of whether they're an entrepreneur or working a nine to five, but um, send us your comments, send us your feedback. If you love this, definitely leave five stars in the Apple podcast app. It's super easy to do. If you don't have an iPhone, find one, commandeer one, borrow <laughs> one, and you can drop five stars. It helps with everything. So, okay. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me on uh, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. So Instagram, the tea with Linda and Facebook, the tea with Linda as well. And on uh, LinkedIn, it's just Linda Talaferro uh, and LinkedIn. So very easy to find me. And my website is also lindatalaferro.com. So perfect. And all of that will be in the show notes. But if any of you guys, you guys know, I like to drop those links at the end of the episode. <laughs> so you can open up your phone real quick, follow her or go to the show notes and click and add her wherever you most like to hang out. I recommend just adding her on all of them because it's easier. And remember, it's the tea with two E's for yes. the extra effort, not like the tea you drink or the tea you spill on network. <laughs> okay. All right. So that's it, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, Miss Linda. Oh. This was amazing. The pleasure. It's been such an honor. The pleasure is all mine, Whitney. It's been a joy. Thank you. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers.